Welcome to the Siski Christian Fellowship Podcast. Our prayer is that the following verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word would bring you closer to Jesus. Romans chapter 15, and we're just going to look at one verse today. Verse 24. It says, Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first, I may enjoy your company for a while. So uh, a couple years ago, actually it's been more than a couple years ago, it's probably been about eight years ago now, when Siski Christian Fellowship was just, I mean, we just planted the church. Um, you know, we thought, let's do something fun for Christmas this year. We thought, you know, let's start a, a fun Christmas tradition. And we said, we're going to go Christmas caroling. Like knocking on people's doors and singing Christmas songs to them, Christmas caroling. And it seemed like such a good idea at the time. You know, I had big plans. You know, we're going to get everybody together, and we're going to have some hot cocoa, and we're going to practice the songs early, and, uh, you know, I'll play my guitar, and, and there's somebody who had a trailer. We're going to load the trailer up with hay and Christmas lights, and, man, we're just going to go around Wairika, and we're going to knock on doors, and we're just going to bless the socks off of people. Man, Tidings of comfort and joy were just going to ring through the air. You know, it was going to be fantastic. We'd be met with love and gratitude and, and just shine in our light for Jesus. It was going to be so wonderful. I could almost hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I thought, this is going to be great. And so the day comes. We're going to go Christmas caroling. And, and so we didn't have a place to make coffee or, or hot cocoa back in the day, so we did that at our houses, and then we brought the coffee and the cocoa to wherever we were going. And so I'm at my house. Stefan was said, we're making cocoa, and everything is going swimmingly until we pack up to leave, and then the first container hits us neck, and then all of a sudden, all the cocoa is everywhere. I'm calling, so where are you at, man? We're late. What are you doing? He's like, I got cocoa all over my house. Just, I'm thinking, oh, man. So by the time all the cocoa is cleaned up, now we're late. So we were going to practice, that didn't happen. So we show up and we say, all right, let's just head out, let's get this thing done. Well, here's the thing, it was dark. Of course it was dark, we're carrying it. So I printed all the words, but nobody could see any of the words because it was dark. And because we didn't have a chance to practice, nobody actually knew any of the words. And because it was 25 degrees, my guitar was grossly out of tune. I couldn't feel my fingers. And so, man, we were off key, out of sync, singing the wrong words. I mean, we were not a blessing to anybody. I am so sorry. If we knocked on your door eight years ago, I apologize genuinely. And I will never forget the looks on those people's faces. It was like they wanted to laugh. They wanted to cry. They wanted to throw up. They wanted to call the cops all at the same time. But to top it off, you know, we got the youth group involved with the float and with the, the trailer and, and like, all right, we're heading home. One of the kids falls out of the truck and then gets run over by the trailer. <laughs> Praise the Lord, it, it, he got run over by his own mom. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. That <laughs> sounds wrong. No, we weren't liable. We were doing a good job. Well, he, was in, he was in his mom's care when he got run. And he was fine. He did break both of his legs, but he was actually okay. <laughs> but you say, oh, my goodness. Right? Sometimes things don't go the way that we plan them to go. Right? We can all relate to that statement. That's just life. And Paul very much could relate to that statement that things don't always go according to plan. 
And this morning, what we're going to do is we look at this one verse where Paul plans to go to Spain, and on his way to Spain, he plans to hang out with his peeps in Rome. We're going to look at Paul's life from kind of a 30,000-foot view and say, boy, when things didn't go the way Paul had planned them to go, and how did he respond? And in turn, what can we learn from that? How do we respond when things in our life don't go well? How can we maintain joy and peace and faith when things are going crazy? And so Paul was no stranger to things not going the way that he planned from the earliest part of his life. So everything in Paul's young life, he was actually Saul in the beginning. So everything from Saul's young life pointed to him becoming a Pharisee. You say, Pharisee, what's a Pharisee? A Pharisee was a, a sect of Judaism. They were real strong Jewish nationalists. They uh, adhered very strictly to the law of Moses. They were leaders in their community. The Sanhedrin, which was like the Jewish high court, it was like their supreme court, is more than the Supreme Court. It was like if the Supreme Court and Congress had a baby, that would be the Sanhedrin. The, the, the Pharisees were a part of that. So very well-respected. It would be a good goal to shoot for, a very religious guy. And, and that was Paul's, like, that was the, the course he was on from the time he was a little guy. His parents were Pharisees. He was uh, trained up by uh, Gamaliel, was his teacher. And you have to understand, like to drop Gamaliel as a name, that's not much of a name drop in our day and age. But in Paul's day and age, it was a big deal. In uh, you know, like Jewish schools of thought, there were two main schools of thought in all of Judaism. There was uh, Hillel and there was Shimei. And uh, Gamaliel was the grandson of Hillel. So everybody knew who he was. He was one of the great thinkers of the day. He was charting the course for Judaism. And now Paul is studying underneath this man. It was with purpose. It was with direction. He had a plan to become the best Pharisee that he could become. And he did. That's what Paul said of himself, isn't it? He said, man, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I, 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 I rode that all the way to the shore. But one day, when Paul was busy being a Pharisee, he was going to snuff out this, this new religion of Christianity. And he was on his way to Damascus. And he had letters in his hand, authority, giving him permission to arrest Christians and drag them back to Jerusalem that they might be punished and thrown in jail. And that's what Paul, Saul, then was all about. Uh, really just being a Pharisee and uh, you know, dragging people who were Christians out of their homes and places of worship, beating them, imprisoning them, thinking that he was doing a work for the Lord. And it was on his way to do that where his plans changed. Boy, he said, I'm just, I'm going to be a Pharisee for the Lord. That's what I'm doing. The Lord said, no, no, you're not. Saul the Pharisee, you're going to become Paul the Apostle. And he had this supernatural encounter with God. He saw Jesus there on the road, shining like a bright light. Hear his booming voice. He was knocked off of his high horse. He was blinded, and his life was changed. From that point forward, Saul the Pharisee became Paul the Apostle. And his plans were radically changed. And, you know, many of us can relate to that. Many of us in this room say, boy, that's my story. And I had this plan, I had this direction that I was going, and boy, Jesus got a hold of my life. And my plans have been changed dramatically. And we say, man, hallelujah, what if a beautiful change in plan that is. And we thought, man, now things are going to be easy. Now it's going to be smooth sailing. But it wasn't, was it? 
And it wasn't for Paul either. See, after Jesus got a hold of Paul's life, Paul said, man, I'm not dedicating my life to this thing of Judaism and to be a Pharisee anymore. Now, if you know Paul, if you've been trucking along with us, you know that Paul still had a huge heart for his countrymen. So much so that he said, man, if I could be accursed that they might be saved, I would do that. But Paul no longer dedicated his life to Judaism, but he became an apostle. He made his life about spreading the good news of Jesus. And he began there in Jerusalem and spread up and around through Damascus and Syria and, and then over through Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. It's over here for you guys. And then over into Greece, which would, uh, is where he reached into to Europe. And so Paul made his life about spreading the gospel. And he went on three separate missionary journeys. He traveled over 10,000 miles by foot and by boat over a course of 10 years. And over that period of time, over the course of those 10,000 miles uh, in those 10 years, man, you better believe that the rug was yanked out from underneath Paul on more than one occasion. Right? We just studied through his uh, missionary trips not too long ago in the book of Acts. And he was shipwrecked. He was blown off course. He was mocked, he was beaten, he was kicked out of town, he was stoned, he was imprisoned, and yet, boy, he, he ran the race, he finished strong. How is it that when Paul the Apostle faced such opposition and such hardship, when the plans that he made were changed so drastically, how did he keep on going? How did he keep his focus on the Lord? How did he, he do it? And, and that's what I want to look at this morning. And I want to just glean some very practical uh, direction and instruction from Paul's life on how do we roll with the punches? How do we press on? How do we uh, not lose our peace and joy? Because Paul shows us in the way that he lived his life. Man, Paul never lost hope. He never let his emotions get the best of him. He never got so down in the dumps that he couldn't pull himself out. Paul never lost heart. Paul never gave up. And Paul never lost sight. He never lost sight of what was the most important, and that was Jesus. And so this morning, I want to look at those three things. Paul never lost hope, he never lost heart, and he never lost sight. And so when things don't seem to be working out for us the way that we thought they would be, that is a good uh, kind of uh, structure. That's a good, good road for us to follow. Man, first of all, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. Because here's the thing. When our plans start to go sideways, when things start to, to, to not work out the way that we thought they were, when things begin to get dicey, boy, the first thing that we can start to do is we start to panic a little bit. We can get a, a little bit anxious and we can begin to be fearful and we can worry. And then as things continue to trend that way, as things continue to fall apart, and don't you know that's the way life is sometimes? It's like, oh, things are getting a little dicey, and they continue to get dicey, and they're still dicey. And you say, Lord, what's going on? And so as things begin to get dicey, we can, we can start to, to get a little bit anxious. But as they continue to fall apart, we can become more and more discouraged. We get into this place of discouragement to where we, if we don't get out of that place, we can become despondent and even very bitter. We can just turn off altogether and give up. But as we study through Paul's life, as we looked at Acts and we've read his letter to the Romans and we'll be moving into First and Second Corinthians and we study through all the epistles, one thing we're going to see in Paul's life is that he never lost hope. 
He never lost hope. He never let his emotions get the best of him. He never got stuck in that place of discouragement. Now, does that mean that Paul was never discouraged? Uh, Of course not. That would be idiotic to think that. And it's important that we understand that because sometimes, as Christians, we can feel this immense pressure to always be happy, clappy, joyous, everything's okay, and to never, ever be sad. But Paul was very most definitely discouraged sometimes. Paul absolutely was sad sometimes. Uh, there in 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul says this to those in, in Corinth. It's actually 2 Corinthians, pardon me. He says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure and above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Now that's pretty discouraged. To despair even of life. Uh, There was a time in Paul's life where he was that discouraged. Uh, In Acts uh, chapter 23, uh, when Paul was in prison, uh, you know, the Lord showed up to Paul and said, Paul, be of good cheer. He said, I'm going to get you out of here. He says, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, you must also bear witness at Rome. So as Paul's in prison there, desiring to go to Rome, thinking, how is this going to work out? The Lord shows up and says, Paul, be of good cheer. Now, let me ask you this. Would Jesus show up to Paul and say, Paul, be of good cheer? If Paul was of good cheer, probably not. So Paul had moments in his life where he was discouraged. So he said, wait a second, Pastor Jeremy, I'm confused. So we're not supposed to let our emotions get the best of us. We're not supposed to get bogged down in discouragement. Paul is our example, and yet Paul was discouraged. Uh, Yes, Paul was discouraged, and sometimes uh, life is difficult. And I want you to know that that it's okay to be sad when life is sad. right? We have this, this, this direction that we're moving as a society even to where when life gets difficult and we get sad, we say, hey, we've got a pill for that. Now, I'm not saying that there's never an instance where there's a chemical imbalance and and people don't need medication. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to tread into those waters. But I do know this, without a shadow of a doubt, that we prescribe far more medication than needs to be prescribed because sometimes life is sad and we just need to walk through that process of grieving. Sometimes life is sad. But what is the difference between just being sad and being lost and overtaken by your emotions? Right? Paul was discouraged, but Paul was never overtaken by his discouragement. It's one thing to be sad. It's okay to be sad. It's not okay to live your life there. It's not okay to, to, to have uh, discouragement reign in your life. Because what happens is that when discouragement reigns, when things don't work out the way that we thought, Boy, what we do is we begin to live our lives looking backwards at the, the way we wish things would have been, with the way that we uh, you know, wanted things to go and how things didn't turn out. We can get trapped there. The Lord, his plan for your life is not behind you. The Lord's plan for your life is out in front of you. Don't get sucked into that place to where uh, sadness and discouragement rules your life and then changes into despondency and and bitterness. 
and just hamstrings you. Because that is not the way we're to live our lives as Christians, right? It's okay to be sad, but we're not to live there. Why? Because the Bible tells us, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of what? Of power, of love, of a sound mind. We're not to live in the place of fear or anxiety. What does Philippians 4, 6 tells us? Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus. We don't need to be fearful because God has given us a a spirit of love and power and sound mind. We don't need to be anxious because we can pray to the Lord in our anxiety. Boy, it's just an amazing thing. Have you guys ever experienced that? When life is just a disaster and you pray to the Lord and your circumstances haven't changed and yet there's a peace that just rules in your heart. That's where we can walk as Christians. Uh, This uh, is not from Paul, but this is from Peter. Peter uh, says in 1 Peter 1.6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, you believe. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So Peter talks about just a joy that's inexpressible. It's just this amazing joy that we can have even in the midst of difficulty. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, man, this is God's will for you. Uh, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give Thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So Paul, man, he faced difficult circumstances. There were days when he was sad for sure, but he didn't allow that sadness to take over his life. He walked in these promises of the Lord. Again, many of these things he wrote to us. Again, we don't need to be consumed with fear. God's given us a spirit of power and love. We don't need to be consumed with anxiety because we can pour our hearts out to the Lord and we can be filled with a peace that just doesn't make sense. Uh, We don't need to lose our joy because even in the midst of difficulty, we can have a joy that's inexpressible. And at the heart of all of that is being thankful, to remember and what the Lord has done for us. You know, when I'm having a bad day, when things in this temporal life are falling apart, when I consider what Jesus has done for me, boy, all of a sudden things, boy, that's having that grateful heart. And so, man, Paul, what an example for us. Don't lose hope. Don't don't allow your emotions to to rule your life. Don't get lost in discouragement and sadness. But secondly, don't lose heart. Paul never lost heart. What do I mean? Paul never gave up. I mean, man, he just took a whooping, got back up, dusted himself off, and went in full charge uh, again, man. There was nothing that could take Paul down, it didn't seem like. You think, I mean, at a certain point, you know, you get locked up and you're like, all right, well, maybe I won't go back to that town. You know, you get stoned almost to death. You think, well, maybe that was a closed door. Not Paul. He's like, no, Lord, I know that you've called me to this and I'm going for it. Paul never gave up, ever. Do you guys know that Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team? Can you imagine? I mean, I feel bad for that coach who cut him. I mean, watching Michael Jordan, like, turn into the the world's greatest basketball player, crazy. Walt Disney was fired from his first newspaper job because he lacked creativity. (laughs) 
Albert Einstein had the label mentally slow put on his permanent school record. Henry Ford, his first two automobile companies bombed. Jerry Seinfeld was booed off the stage uh, in his first stand-up comedy appearance. Steven Spielberg was rejected from film school, not once, not twice, but three times. He made the most epic films ever. Elvis Presley, the king. I'm related to Elvis. No, I won't go down to that story. <laughs> Elvis Presley was fired from the Grand Old Opry, and they said, you know what? You don't have a future in singing and songwriting. You need to go back to driving a truck. You say, whoa, man, all these greats now, they all have one thing in common. That is, they never gave up. Just like Paul, they never gave up. And again, the opportunities for Paul to give up were plenteous. Man, he could have given up at the first journey when his you know, ship is blown hundreds of miles off course and his plans go awry. Paul could have said, you know what, actually, maybe I misread you, Lord. Maybe this is a closed door and I'm not to do this and just give up and walk away. And maybe you guys have heard that kind of terminology. Right? When people pray, we pray for a closed door. Lord, would you close this door if I'm not to go this direction? Or we pray for open doors. Lord, would you open this door? Uh, I've prayed for many of you that I pray for my own life that way. And what we're saying when we say, Lord, please close that door or open that door, we're saying, Lord, we want your will. We just want your will. But sometimes we can use that as an excuse as Christians. When things get difficult, say, oh, well, you know what? Maybe that was just a closed door. That was a closed door, and we shouldn't go that way. And again, Paul could have looked at any number of circumstances along his journey and said, Lord, clearly that's a closed door. I've been locked up like five times now. Maybe I wasn't cut out to be a missionary. But he kept on going and kept on going. And So how do we know if it's a closed door and we should walk away or if it's adversity that we should push through? Well, Jeremiah... Jeremiah chapter 9, Jeremiah has this to say. Jeremiah chapter 20, pardon me, verse 9. He says, I will not make mention of him, speaking of God, nor speak any more in his name. Jeremiah says, I give up. I'm not speaking of, of God's name anymore. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. So how do we know the difference between a closed door when we should just say, all right, Lord, maybe this isn't what I should be pursuing, or uh, the difference when we should just push through adversity? See, when we are to push through the adversity, the calling doesn't go away. No matter how difficult it gets, you know that the Lord has called you to it, and it's burning in your bones. You can't get away from it. You have to. And that's where Jeremiah was. He knew where God would have him to be, and he said, I know it's difficult, but I'm pressing on. Just like Paul, I know it's difficult, and I'm pressing on. And so Paul, he never gave up. He never threw in the towel. He just kept on going. Even when he was down, he was never out. And man, I love a good comeback story. Everybody loves a good comeback story. Last year, last December, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the, the Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings, were playing the Colts. And I tell you what, it was a blowout game. This is the greatest comeback in all of NFL history. The Vikings were down 33-0 at halftime. Boy, it, there was five minutes left in the third quarter, and they had only made one touchdown. And with... Just a few minutes left, 
boy, there was a series of, of, of long bombs and two-point conversions and field goals. They went into overtime, and then they ended up winning. They, they overcame a 33-point deficit to win the game. And man, what a great story. See, when you're, when you're down and out when it's 33 to zero and you're on the losing end, it's so easy to be like, oh man, I'm just buried. But see, we don't know the outcome. We don't know how things are going to go. But the Lord does. And see, Paul understood that. Paul never gave up because he knew that the Lord was in control. Paul never lost hope. He never got bogged down to where he couldn't get out of, of depression or, or grief. Paul never lost heart. He never gave up because he knew that God was in control. See, Paul never lost sight of what was important. He knew that God was on the throne. He knew that God had a plan, and he knew that God was going to see him through. And that's what we need to remember. Man, God has a perfect plan for your life. He's on the throne. He's sovereign. He's going to see it come to fruition. Paul had many plans that went sideways. Man, welcome to the club. So did every other person in Scripture. You can start at the very beginning at Noah and you can go all the way through the kings and the, the prophets in the New Testament and we see that every single man or woman who set out and said, this is what I'm going to do. Boy, plans change, folks. That's just the way that it goes. Proverbs 19.21 says, the plans of a man's heart are many, but the purpose of the Lord prevails. The plans of a man's heart are many, but it's the purpose of the Lord that prevails. Man, we can make all sorts of plans. And we can, we can count the cost. We can step back and say, oh, how's this going to work out? We can pray and we can prepare. But at the end of the day, man, it's the Lord's will and plan that's going to uh, win the day. So we say, well, why even plan anything? Maybe we should just, you know, just, just go for it. Why even have a plan? Well, we're to plan. Jesus was clear about that in, in Luke chapter 14. He, he's talking about, you know, the wisdom, you know, who goes to build a bridge but doesn't first count the cost. Because if he starts to build the bridge and then he runs out of money, everybody's going to drive by that bridge and, and see the failure of it, and he will be just mocked for the rest of his life. What king goes to war? And does, no, we're to count the cost. We're to make the plans. Noah didn't wait till it started raining to start building the ark. No, we make plans for the future. But we're not so rigid in our plans that when they change, it breaks us. We, we make plans, but we surrender those plans to the Lord and to his will. Uh, we make plans, but we understand that at the end of the day, God is going to, uh, his will is going to prevail, right? We, we do our best. We pray it's blessed. We give God the rest. It's a good way to live our lives. And Paul, he understood, man, uh, he made plans, but he knew that the Lord had a better plan. And you say, you know, I, I don't like that. I don't like the way that the Lord changed, but I have a, a, a course set for my life, and it's a good course, the Lord's is better. The Lord's is better. The Lord's is always better. And we get a little nervous and we say, well, you know, I know God's got a plan for my life, but what if I don't like God's plan for my life? What if God's plans for my life don't line up with my plans for my life? Exactly. The plans that God has for us are far better than the plans we have for ourselves. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. Uh, not to, to, to harm you, but, but to give you a future and a hope, the Lord says. 
And we just studied through Romans 8, 28, not too long ago. Even in the most difficult circumstances that we can face in our lives, the Lord is there in the midst of the, the difficulty in those circumstances. And he's working all things together for good. Not just the flowery things, not just the happy things, all things together for good. And as we studied through the life of Joseph that morning, and we saw that's the way that it is. Even when people would come against you and mean harm against you, the Lord takes that and turns it into blessing. God's plans for us, they're good. And Paul never lost sight of that reality. He wrote this in 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, Paul never lost the sight, not only that God is in charge, that he's got a plan, that he's going to see him through, but man, that this life is just temporal. This life is fleeting. Paul would go on to say that life is like a vapor. It's just here one moment and it's gone. It's like grass. And it springs up and then the next day it's just gone. Life is fleeting. Don't lose sight of eternity. Be eternally minded. Be heavenly minded. Uh, you know, there's that old saying that you can't be any earthly good because you're too heavenly minded. And I say, I think it's just the opposite. You can't be any earthly good unless you're heavenly minded. You always be fixated on, on what's here. And we're to remember that we are bound for glory. Don't lose sight of eternity. Don't lose sight of the fact that God is in control, that he's got a plan, and that he's going to see you through. But most of all, Paul never lost sight of Jesus. He never lost sight of why he was doing what he was doing, or why he was doing, yeah. He never lost sight of the Lord. He knew what he was called to. He wanted to serve the Lord, and he knew that the Lord was with him. And how fitting for us to, to remember that, man. Let us not lose sight of Jesus, especially during Christmas, right? I mean, a couple years ago, it seemed like it was like the big controversial thing. Like nobody was saying Merry Christmas. And all the pastors from the pulpit, they were making sure, boy, we're going to talk about Christmas. And that was great. I, I, I was probably one of them. But nobody was saying Merry Christmas because Christmas was offensive because it has the word Christ in it. And I just, oh my goodness, how, how ridiculous. Let's take Christmas back. And then so w w there was the move as everybody was going to say happy holidays, ha happy holidays. But happy what? Happy holy days? What, what holy days are being referred to exactly during Christmas time? I mean, gotcha still, sucker. You thought you had it. But, uh, but, but now uh, you, it seems like, and this might just be me, it seems like nobody says anything now. Like when you check out, there's no happy holidays. There's no Merry Christmas. There's, there's no nothing. Like we don't even... It, don't even acknowledge it at all. Don't lose sight of what's important in your life. And the most important thing in your life is Jesus. When things are difficult, when things get flipped upside down, man, Jesus is our strong tower. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is the prince of peace. He is the rock. Man, Jesus, don't lose uh, sight of, of what's most important in uh, Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and you can totally relate. Maybe you're like, man, I don't even know how I got to this place in my life. I, I, this is not my plan. I didn't think, think things were going to, to pan out this way and, and I don't even know what to do. And be encouraged this morning 
Don't lose hope. Don't get stuck in that place of discouragement. Don't let fear and anxiety rule the day. Don't become despondent and, and, and bitter. But walk in all that the Lord has for you. Grab a hold of those promises. He's not giving you the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Don't walk in anxiety, but pour your heart out to the Lord and enjoy the peace that surpasses understanding. Grab a hold of the promise that joy is not related to your circumstances. And even in the midst of trials, we can have a joy inexpressible. And don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. And keep on keeping on. And don't lose sight of what's really important. That, man, we're saved. We're set free. We're, we're headed for heaven. And Paul never lost sight of any of those things. Man, Paul ran the race. He, he fought the fight. He never lost hope. He never lost heart. He never lost sight. And, you know, it's not just a flowery thing that we can say this morning. Hey, boy, we know that God has a plan for us. We know that his promises are true. How? Because he proved it on the cross. He said, I want you to remember me. I want you to keep me in focus, he says. He says, I don't want you to lose sight of who I am in your life. He told his disciples that. So do this in remembrance of me. Do this often. Every time you have wine and bread at every meal, often. Remember me. Remember my body that was given for you. Remember the freedom that I purchased for you on the cross. Remember my blood that was shed for you. That though your sins were a scarlet, they're white as snow, that you're free in me. That you've been redeemed. You've been justified. That my righteousness has been imputed to you, charged to your account. And when we have that in focus, and everything else just falls into place. And so that's what we get to do this morning. We get to bring Jesus into focus as we come to the table and we take communion. And as we take in the elements, we get to take in that reality. Lord, I'm so grateful for your body. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you died in my place. I'm so grateful that you paid the price that I couldn't. I'm so grateful for the freedom that we experience. And as we take in the juice, we can remember, boy, we are forgiven. And let that sink in. That you are forgiven. When God looks upon your life, he sees you as justified, just as though you have never sinned. There is a freedom in that. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. So man, life is rough. Plans change. But don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. And don't lose sight. Amen? So Lord, thank you so much again just for the, the life that Paul lived, for the example that he gave us. Lord, you told us that in this world, Lord, that we would face difficulty, tribulation. This is a guarantee. But Lord, you didn't leave it there. You told us to be of good cheer because you have overcome the world. And as we come to the table this morning, Lord, we recognize that we've been invited. Lord, not on our own merit. We recognize that we've been invited Lord, because of your grace and mercy, we are undeserving to dine at the table of the king. But Lord, you've, you've made a way for us. And as we come to the table, Lord, I pray that it would be a time of just reflection, of remembrance, Lord, of rejoicing, 
Lord, that as we remember what you've done for us, Lord, there would be a refreshment and a rejoicing that comes along with that. But Lord, also, as we come and remember who you are, Lord, as we come to just put things in focus, Lord, to not lose sight of who you are, I pray that we would do so, Lord, after we've examined our heart, even as your word has told us to do, or to examine our hearts. Lord, please do a work in our lives this morning. And as we come to the table, Lord, help us to remember. Lord, help us to, to just be refreshed and, and filled again. Lord, help us to take those truths in again this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this teaching of God's word presented by Siskiyou Christian Fellowship. We pray it's blessed you and given you a greater understanding of the Bible. To learn more about us, visit siskiyouchristianfellowship.com. Thank you.